Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest-running EOS podcast. I, of course, am Rob Finch, and I am joined today by Zach Gall and Peter Kay for a very special interview. You knew that we were going to interview two very special guests, but up until this point, when you read the title, you didn't know that it was Dan Larimer and Brendan Bloomer, the CTO and CEO of Block One, respectively. We are super excited for this interview. There's a lot of good info that unpacks B1 June. If you want to know our opinion about it, we'll be doing a live stream later this week. But I know this is the interview you all want here. So without further ado, here they are, Dan Larimer and Brendan Bloomer. Well, first of all, Dan and Brendan, thank you so much for doing this interview. We're uh, super excited about it, and I know our community is as well. Uh, starting off, can you just describe what the last year has been like for you and your team? Oh, I'm sure. We can both give you pretty different stories because we, we do a lot of dividing and conquering. Um, you know, a lot of what I do is creating awareness around uh, our technology, uh, but also our business to um, um, uh, businesses and, and communities all around the world. Um, I, I spend a lot of time educating uh, also, um, you know, regulators, politicians and stuff about blockchain in general um, to, to encourage the adoption um, uh, and create support for the industry as a whole. Um, but of course, we're also building the infrastructure of block one so that we can scale in the most healthy way possible. And that involves um, bringing in, you know, a top down management approach. So putting in new great leaders, um, making sure that as we move into uh, new products, things like voice, we aren't cannibalizing the talent from other commitments that we've already made, like EOSIO, which has a huge ongoing team. Uh, the voice team is an independent team. Um, now they work together, obviously, on lots of things, um, but uh, we're making sure that we build in such a way where we don't, uh, uh, like I said, cannibalize off of our, our, our other initiatives. Well, a lot has happened in the past year. Our, our team has grown from uh, a handful of people that delivered EOSIO 1 to uh, over a hundred, you know, in just in Blacksburg. So we got a, we got a lot of people that are um, really working to bring enhancements to EOSIO and to build out great new applications like Voice. Uh, so it's been it's been a challenging. We spent uh, a lot of time refining and polishing the original EOSIO one release, making sure that all the security holes. And everything are wrapped up and, and patched as quickly as possible, scaling the blockchain, dealing with bugs as they come up. Uh, we've really done a great job at scaling EOSIO in the past year. We doubled the performance uh, six months ago when we switched to Rabbit. Uh, and we're enhancing the network code to really push the boundaries of sustained transactions with, with 21 nodes and everything like that. So we built... An, a lot of a lot of our teams on infrastructure just testing and pushing it to the limits so that when we come up with new things like EOS VM uh, we know how much faster it makes the network and you know I shared a little bit about this on, on Twitter this past week we've recently tested EOSIO with 320 million accounts we know that EOSIO can scale to large numbers of users uh, and with EOS VM it's just going to be even faster so this past year has been all about polishing uh, and, and laying the foundation, not just on the performance of the software, but the usability for developers. The uh, ESIO Contract Development Toolkit has seen massive improvements in the past year. It was, it was very raw uh, coding in the initial release, but now there's super helpful tools, lots of documentation that we've released, um, and we expect to only continue that further. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about where EOSIO is going 
in the next year because we're still focused on how can we do multi-threaded execution? How can we increase the storage capacity beyond actual RAM and those things? But this past year has been amazing. with seen incredible growth, and we expect to grow at the same rate uh, in the next year. Obviously, we've been planning B1 June now for about six months or so, um, but our teams are already looking and, and starting the process of next year's you know, B1 June, right? Which means that uh, we unveiled a lot yesterday in terms of what's going to be um, uh, imminently available to put out there to the public, but there's a lot of other initiatives that Block One is working on that is also has teams being built um, in anticipation for the future. So just because it wasn't announced yesterday doesn't mean that it's not something we're working on. Um, Dan has, has lots of different ideas ideas and so does you know our company as a whole uh, so we're building lots of different management teams for different business units to make sure that we can continue to innovate at the pace at the unbelievable pace that the community expects um, so that's something that we're always focused on so you tweeted something provocative uh, probably what three in the morning something like that uh, about <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it was provocative for me you said that uh, EOSVM was the first step to multi-threaded. You know, we've been integrating EOSIO with a lot of different WebAssembly engines, everything from Binarian to Wabbit to Wavum. And all these engines are designed for web browsers. They don't, they're not really designed for multi-threaded. They're not designed for easy integration with uh, situations like we have with smart contracts. So... When we designed EOSVM, we wanted to make sure that it was multi-thread ready from the beginning, that it could run uh, safely and securely with as little overhead as possible. Because these other WebAssembly engines, uh, some of these things are afterthoughts, and, and we wanted to design it in from the beginning. So we couldn't just take an off-the-shelf WebAssembly engine and go multi-threaded, because even if the blockchain could do it, all all the pieces of the stack need to be safe and secure for multi-threaded execution. Um, and that's that's why this is the first step, because one of the reasons we couldn't do it is because these other libraries uh, made it complicated. We'd have to modify them heavily in order to uh, work out the bugs in them, because the WebAssembly market as a whole is, is relatively immature. Um, when we've got a standard and all the libraries are designed for standard development. Um, and the browsers, they integrated in for high performance on the browsers, but they don't care about the startup time of loading new contracts. They don't care if there's high variance, you know, one second or several seconds for some, some codes. And we need very predictable loading and parsing and execution of smart contracts in order to do this all reliably and safely with multi-threading. So EOSVM is the first step on the path toward multi-threading. Uh, we've got some really amazing designs for EOS improvement uh, proposals that we'll be introducing our concepts of how to bring multi-threading to EOSIO over the next year. And, and multi-threaded execution is a lot hard for application developers to actually build with. So ultimately, there's a lot of progress that still can be made to single-threaded execution. And so that uh, is, is, a, is a first step in terms of delivering it uh, in an easy way for developers. Yeah, I'd actually like to talk on that because this is a lot of things that people don't realize when you hear about other blockchains scaling with uh, technologies like sharding and whatnot. Just because something's technically possible doesn't mean it's practically possible for the developers, right? Uh, if you want to implement an order book uh, on a heavily sharded system, you can't because every order has to be matched against every other order. 
If you want to, if you can't do efficient multi-threading uh, and communication between threads, you can't do communication between shards. So multi-threading is actually the first step toward multi-chain communication uh, because it allows it's basically interchain communication or IBC, except it's all on one blockchain. And instead of different chains, they're just different threads within that chain. And so we put a lot of time into making sure that the user experience for the developer is easy. And if we can't make an easy experience for the developer, the rest of the technology doesn't matter because it'll be hard for the developer and therefore hard for the user. So I, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, there was obviously a lot of good news yesterday at, at B1 June, but I think the biggest thing that everybody wants to hear about is voice. So uh, if you could, you know, we know that there's some kind of identification system where users have to self-identify. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on your your plans? Are you planning to allow people to log into other services with a voice identity? Uh, could you just go into detail on that? One of the really powerful things about having voice uh, sorry, have an identity on a blockchain is that you now have a public key associated with your identity, which means you can use that public key to verify who you are to anyone, uh, whether it's other services and other websites or other smart contracts on the EOS blockchain. Uh, and maybe not even just the EOS blockchain, any blockchain that can uh, do proofs from the EOS blockchain can now verify who, who you are. So this is a foundational technology uh, and we're only going to work to enhance both the onboarding process to make it as easy as possible to, for people to, to identify themselves, uh, but also to make it as accurate as possible uh, and to, to really make it fun so that people enjoy the sign-up process, enjoy participating in it. Uh, because we believe that with the incentives we have on voice, giving people tokens every single day just for showing up is a powerful incentive to come get identified and join the community of identified real people. Uh, and once that community is established, we think it'll provide a lot of value, a lot of interesting applications. Um, one of the things that keeps coming up with respect to identity is not everybody wants their identity to be out there. <laughs> um, but you don't need every application to solve every problem. Voice is solving a set of problems where people actually want to be identified. But there are possibilities to create other solutions in the future that can leverage it or provide anonymous bridges so, so you can have a uniqueness without having to reveal exactly who you are. These are all tools that the community can build on top of a foundation of strongly identified users. And just because your initial account's identified doesn't mean that everything you do has to be identified. It's just another option in the mix to really enhance the EOS blockchain and all the other blockchains that decide to integrate with EOS because of voice. One of the other things I want to add on to that is <clears throat> I spend a lot of my time um, speaking, as I mentioned, to uh, lawyers, accountants, uh, uh, financial system, uh, all types of executives from the financial system. And ultimately, what we constantly try to do is develop in such a way where we're staying one step ahead of the game in terms of where all this is going. And one of the things you increasingly see um, is the approach that regulators are putting on cryptocurrency and blockchain in general is a degree of accountability for everything that happens on these blockchains. And what we're trying to do is preempt where we think things are headed so that EOS can remain the most competitive blockchain out there. Um, 
by creating a, an ecosystem of identified accounts, it's going to enable a whole new type of services and applications that can take place on the EOS public blockchain. And as regulators continue to understand the technology more and, and continue to apply more constraints to different, different departments are, are, uh, of our whole economy, right, especially related to blockchain, uh, we believe that EOS is going to be in one of the best positions out there in order to take advantage of the immediate opportunities um, in terms of integrating the real mainstream system with public blockchains. Speaking of that uh, mainstream system, you know, you guys talked a lot about onboarding. Dan, I think you mentioned onboarding in that answer. Could you talk about your onboarding strategy to get some of these mainstream users over to voice instead of platforms like Twitter? We've got a lot of very interesting strategies that we'll unveil in the future, but it's a little bit premature to to share all of our secrets. But as you can imagine, um, when you're when, when you're when we have the the token incentivize or the ability to incentivize people with tokens, there's just a lot that we can do. Um, we're not working around the constraints of an existing financial system. We're building these things into the product itself. Do you guys have any plans for organizational company brand functionality or accounts? Yes. So the platform has real people, but we can also have corporate accounts. So if you have a, a business or a, a podcast, then you can have an account. The difference is these accounts, they'll be KYC'd, so we know who the real people are behind them, but they'll be like a company. Uh, they won't get the free tokens every single day. They won't be able to manipulate the voting on the platform, but they can still post content and earn tokens for their content. So I, I see a lot of opportunity uh, with, with voice that the community could build out tools for. An example of that would be if you needed a verified identity and you talk about no trolls, you know, no one's a bot, something like co a commenting system. Would you be able to integrate a commenting system into your blog so that you know that everyone's verified because they use like their voice login, for example? We believe one of the most powerful ways to use voice is if you have a blog, you publish the link to your blog first on the voice. And then all the comment section will be uh, right there on the voice, but you can also embed that comment section into your blog. All the data will be available on the blockchain. Uh, anyone can pull the data and host it on their own domain or embed it in their domain. We think that uh, embedding comments on websites is a very powerful way of using voice. And then another use case that I thought of immediately because we're talking social media and we're so used to these universal logins, using your Google login for everything, your Facebook login to everything. There's so many different opportunities where you only want one user to have one login, like an Airbnb, an Uber, um, a coupon that you only want someone to use once per person. What you just mentioned is exactly what I meant when I said last night, I can't wait to see what the community comes up with. Uh, we're providing the foundational tools to build an entire ecosystem of identified apps. You start with the base technology, identity is the next layer, and then uh, the applications that you guys come up with are going to be huge. So you're just scratching the surface of what we think is possible. And when you get into uh, the whole concept of DAX and why haven't they become more mainstream or why don't you see more of them, um, ultimately it comes down to if you want to have a blockchain autonomously recognizing value in distributing tokens um, for that value, you need to ensure that there's integrity in all those actions. And without identity, it becomes really difficult to do that. So I think that with identity, you're going to see a, just a huge number of use cases that just were more theoretical in nature before become actually practically implementable. One of the biggest things about blockchain is decentralization. Uh, and what we're finding is that all these different blockchains, if they're proof of stake based, they tend to centralize around the rich, around the Pareto principle, right? Uh, and 
yeah, whether it's mining or staking, uh, capital and money tends to concentrate power in the hands of a few. But with real identity, it's possible to make blockchains more democratic and more decentralized in nature. Uh, and so this is really a step toward improving that. So we can now see lots of new innovative governance models that are hybrid between stake-based and unique identity-based to ensure that both the rich and the popular have to agree on changes to make sure that they benefit everyone and not just a few. Adding on that point, so if you think about it as an evolution of what EOS did to um, you know, uh, proof of work, really proof of work is delegated proof of work, right? Everyone uses mining pools because you can't be competitive. The dynamic there is that you buy hash power, right? You spend US dollar in electricity and hardware at copious amounts of it, and it results in control, network influence. Proof of stake becomes more cartel resistant because as you, you can still buy a certain amount of control by buying tokens, but instead of it getting cheaper as you buy more, it gets more expensive because tokens get, they have an opposite curve, right? And that encourages or makes it more cartel resistant. But what Dan, Dan is referring to is when identity starts to get established and if, if, if incorporated into consensus mechanisms itself, you can start to create true, uh, foolproof cartel resistance into blockchains themselves. Uh, I think, you know, one of the big announcements uh, at B1Joom is also EOSIO2 and the EOSVM. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the work that you and your team have put into building this virtual machine? EOSVM started out as an experiment to see if we can produce something faster than what was out there. And the experiment was extremely successful. So I'm super proud of our team that has been working uh, to make EOSVM really optimized f for this. And it was really, really born out of all the problems we are having with the other virtual machines on the market. We looked at the ones included in the major browsers. Uh, we looked at all the other ones that we've already integrated, and they all have major problems, huge startup delays, unpredictable computation times, huge code bases that are difficult to audit and integrate with and ensure that they're doing the right thing. And, and they also have the problem that somebody else is modifying those code bases, and they might introduce a consensus-breaking change because they're not thinking ahead of all the consequences of what's going on, which makes keeping up with upstream bugs uh, and, and fixes and bringing them back into our version of it quite challenging. Uh, the other thing that the other virtual machines don't really consider is limiting CPU time. So in a normal web browser, you load your WebAssembly and it just runs, and you don't need to kill it if it goes a millisecond. <laughs> too long, right? You don't need that fine-grained control for billing and to prevent abuse. But on blockchain, we need that. So in order to implement that on EOSIO1, we inject instructions into the WebAssembly to call back to native code to, to check, are we done yet? Are we done yet? Are we done yet? And that process adds a lot of overhead to smart contracts. But with EOSVM, uh, we have a watchdog, and it just waits, and then when the time's up, it kills the VM, super efficient. Uh, we don't have to inject a lot of extra instructions to modify the WebAssembly in order to make it safe. It's safe by default. Um, and so those are some of the major improvements that we've made to, to ESVM. Um, and as I said last night, we wanted to make ESVM super easy for third parties to integrate with. So it's almost a stand, well, it is a standalone product. It's going to be maintained as its own repo so that anyone building any application can easily integrate it into their application. We believe that it has the potential to eventually be used by major browsers. 
that's our goal is to make it the best WebAssembly engine library on the market um, for, for any use. And what we have today is just the beginning. It's still an interpreter. There's no uh, just-in-time compilation down to x86. So we'll be improving the ESVM in the future, but the initial performance improvements we've seen compared to Wabbit on our benchmarks is, is over 6x improvement from Rabbit, which is 12x from the initial uh, EOSIO. So when we got those results, we knew we had to go and, and complete the, the ESVM. So it's currently in, uh, fully functional. We're doing the testing to make sure that all the corner cases are there. It's mostly integrated with uh, EOSIO right now, uh, and we're starting to replay the blockchain with it. So just uh, we're really excited. It's almost there uh, for EOS. Uh, you've spoken a lot recently on the fact that DAP actions should be transparent to users, right? What they're doing, what they're signing off on. And obviously a part of that is having contracts open source, but since that hasn't been really required, we've seen many, many projects not open source their contracts. Will there be something about EOSVM or other plans in the future where you'll require or otherwise incentivize contracts to be open source and code to be transparent? Well, the challenge with, uh, we all want code to be open source. Uh, it helps with security, but it also uh, developers are concerned about other people stealing their code and redeploying uh, to someplace else. WebAssembly is already relatively transparent compared to other assembly. So anyone can look at it, but um, it's really up to the community to not use things that are not open source to push the developers to have to do that. But at the end of the day, what's more important to the users is that they know what the contract's intended to do. The human explanation of the, of the actions they're interacting with. Because they're not going to be able to audit the code. Only one in a hundred people can actually read the code, right? Uh, and even if they read the code, they can't understand the totality of everything that it's going to do. Uh, to find secret gotchas and other things. So open source is nice, but it, uh, it's, it's going to be limited. You either trust the company you're interacting with to make sure that their Ricardian human-readable description matches the code, or you don't. Because it's really hard to tell the difference between uh, a bug and malicious intent on the part of these uh, people. And the code behind the contract, in most cases, can change at any time because most developers opt to make their code um, changeable. One, one quick follow-up to that that kind of ties voice in with, with that last question is you, you could almost, with, with unique identity, you can attach unique identity to the contract writer. So if you write a, a non-open source contract, but you associate your real identity, then you're only going to get to put one over on people one time. Real identity is all about accountability. It's about the fact that you have a reputation and you can use it to do good things or you can burn it once. You don't get to have an infinite number of lives uh, to burn. Brendan, before we got recorded, uh, you mentioned something pretty interesting about the way that people are reacting to this news and sort of the different people in crypto. Um, could you go into that again and sort of explain that to people? 
Sure. I was just kind of talking about how everybody in um, you know the crypto community is large, and everyone has different uh, interests, objectives, and expectations for um, you know what we do as an organization. And we tend we focus on prioritizing the things that are actually really paving the way to um, create a more mainstream infrastructure for the adoption of these technologies. We try to avoid um, events and milestones that are are are, are short sighted. Um, uh, so. What we believe is that, you know, the approach this year was to really launch a mainstream application that started to bring alignment to really critical pieces of, of, of the things that we deal with all day. And we started with social media. But by bringing people into these app, these, this application and giving everyone an EOS account, um, we think that, that this is about as big as it can get for the EOS public blockchain. Um, not only, as we mentioned, does it start to solve real problems and bring real use cases to the EOS public blockchain in a big way, um, but it creates a platform for all the, all the identity-enabled uh, applications that we were talking about earlier. So Block One's providing a tremendous service with voice, with identity. It costs $4 to verify a unique user using common services out there. And it's a lot of work for users to do it. So imagine every time you go up to a new service, you have to go through this process just to prevent abuse. So this is actually lowering the cost of user acquisition dramatically. In addition to getting a free EOS account, you get an identified EOS account, which the combination of that is a lot of value, both for the business and the user who doesn't have to share their information and their documents with a bunch of companies. They can share that with one company that's heavily focused on security and privacy. B1 June was obviously this incredible event that we had this year. Are you guys planning on doing B1 June every year? Is this an annual recurring event? Well, we are working backwards from uh, what we would like to put out next year. I don't want to jump into too quick and say annual recurring or these types of things, because as you know, we like to remain um, in this world, you know, you have to remain really, really agile. And so we're not at a position where we say we only want to bring things once a year or anything like that. Um, but we're continuing trying to build things as quick as possible and push them out when it makes the most sense. Um, but we are working backwards from future events.